Oh, and we are live. Uh, thank you for attending our show number 14. Um, we'd like to thank our guest, Paul Jenis from last week, illustrator and painter, artist on Tops Demand series called Game Within a Game, who appeared on our show last week. It was a pleasure to have Paul on, an absolute humble and modest person. Look forward to having him back on in the future episode. So, like Kent said, we are definitely going to be thanking Paul Jenis for his past uh, appearance. And we're pleased that tonight's guest is, uh, before I get there, let me just slow down for a second. I just realized it's May the 4th on May the 4th. So, you see what Kent's wearing? I am actually lacking some Star Wars paraphernalia. So, I wore all black because I like Vader. And, you know, I'm just going to stop there while I'm ahead. So, anyway, like I said, it's May the 4th. May the fourth be with you. May the fourth be with you. You probably all heard it before. So we have a, a really cool guest on, on today, and uh, he's one of the moderators of Star Wars Autograph Universe. I don't know if you guys recall, or if you have a chance to look at show number two, uh, we had Andy on who, who runs Star Wars Autograph Universe, and we have a fellow on tonight who also knows a lot about uh, SWAU. He knows a lot about action figures dabbles in fungal pops and after talking to him has a really cool uh, story about footy about uh soccer so let's welcome mike develos to our show how's it going guys how you guys doing good I'm good you i'm doing you. good thank you guys so much for having me i'm really excited to be here and talk about all this fun stuff soccer and and star wars and all <laughs> kinds of other fun stuff autographs i'm excited about it It'd be like Soccer Wars, Star Wars, Star's Graphs. There's so many permutations that we could go on here. It'd be awesome. I like and it. Our, and if our show is anything like our conversation on Sunday, we try to cap it off as a reasonable hour. So we'll try. No problem. <laughs> we'll try. I'm excited. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's May the 4th, as I said a million times uh, a few minutes ago. This day resonates with so many people who love Star Wars and fans of the Star Wars universe itself. I want to, you know, how did the concept of May the 4th on the calendar become May the 4th to be with you that day? So May the 4th kind of became a thing. It's, you know, it's, it's a pun, obviously, May the 4th, May the 4th. But uh, the fans are pretty creative. And I think it was a, a, a fandom thing because May has always been a month of, of Star Wars. So the Star Wars movies all came out in May for the most part until the recent ones. So, you know, the fans, like they created Star Wars Celebration, which is a big, um, a big gathering of Star Wars fans. And so they all got together and 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 it, it's a lot of a lot of creativity. So they kind of got together and made this concept of like a fun kind of a holiday of May May the fourth be with you. And it just took off from there. It's exploded. So there's you know, it's become more commercialized, which is cool. There's all kinds of fun merchandise and all kinds of cool stuff. Like, you know, the a bunch of friends were staying up until like midnight, two in the morning last night to buy stuff on Disneystore.com. And like, you know, you go to all these stores, release their new merchandise, and everybody's excited about it. But it's just it's just a fun day for Star Wars fans to kind of nerd out together. hundred percent. And we'll say uh, hi to a couple of people, uh, Eli from Little Shop of Heroes and Dennis Lascom, who's who's been watching the last few shows. So thank you for joining. For those of you who are watching, feel free to ask questions at any time. Um, Michael has a lot of information, knowledge, and some cool stories. So feel free to ask questions as we go along. So I want to talk about more about Star Wars. So. More specifically, thanks for the explanation that you gave about, you know, May the 4th be with you. I'd like to know, was it the movie A New Hope that did it for you? Like, what got you into Star Wars? Like, what made you made you go down that road to become a, a Star Wars, uh, what's the word I want to use? Aficionado? Yeah, let's use that one. I think you call it obsessed, crazy, you know, crazed. <laughs> I guess it's all the same thing. But, uh, 
you know, I, I said before, it's all my dad's fault. I'm a Star Wars fan. Like he showed me the original trilogy when they first came out uh, when I was young. So I was like four, I think four or five years old. And I watched them for the first time. And I remember just being hooked. Like the first time I saw Darth Vader, the first time I saw Luke and Han and Leia. But what really got me obsessed with Star Wars was seeing Hoth, the ice planet and Empire Strikes Back. And then like, I thought that was the like a whole planet made of ice. I was like, there's snow everywhere. And then seeing in Return of the Jedi Endor with you know the speeder bikes and the, the Ewoks. And I was like, this is just like, it was just the planets that like they, as a young kid, I thought that was the coolest thing. And there were lightsabers and like these crazy planets and these cool vehicles. And the action figures were a big part of it for me because like I could go and I could go and create these these moments in my mind, you know, and play the action figures. I could be like having Darth Vader fight, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi in my in my hands. Like it it's funny too, because I, I have fond memories of like my mom going out and hunting for the toys with me, or you know, she'd buy them and I'd get them on my birthday. Or I have a really, really fond memory of my grandmother, actually. Uh, my grandmother would always go and hunt for my mom to find the cool stuff out east that she couldn't find at home. So she'd be out in Delaware, like looking for all the stuff. And when she'd come and visit, uh, she would actually buy all this white felt and put it on the floor. And we'd lay down. My grandmother had never seen Star Wars, but she knew that I loved it. So she'd play with me with my action figures on the floor as if it was Hoth. So like I had like I had it in my, my, my bedroom growing up. Like I had all this cool stuff and it just... My my family definitely they enabled me a little bit with my <laughs> with my love for Star Wars, but it's just you know it's been a lifelong passion and I've been obsessed ever since I saw it for the first time. I was just hooked. I remember uh, when I was five, my mom and dad bought me the Millennium Falcon. I still remember the box. I still remember opening it. I still remember playing with it. Um, my heart broke in many pieces when we moved and they had to give away the toys, but that Millennium Falcon was in the one of the toys they gave away. I would do anything to have that back. I uh, wanted to get get my son. So my son, just was like your parents shared the fandom with you. I've passed that along to our children and we've made them, uh, we've given them real lightsabers, had to take it away because of inflicting much damage on themselves. So we replaced it with pool noodles that look like uh, Star Wars uh, um, uh, uh, lightsabers. So that's a little bit safer. I um, love it. Yeah, it's awesome. So my kids love it. So I love that your parents did that to you. My dad took me to Star Wars. I mean, he bought me the toys and the, and the gifts as well. I pass on to my kids. They're fully versed in the different planets and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm very proud of they turn into uh, Star Wars nerds. Yeah, for so, me, it was uh, the Hoth playset that did it for me. I got that for yes. Christmas. And I was like, Wow, this is just freaking awesome! And then the figures, and and I remember I, I also got the giant size comic book. I don't know if you remember that one. Yes, um, that would that just like and seeing the movie itself did it for me too. So you know, childhood memories can't be. I done. remember uh, one of the uh, wealthier families in the town I was growing up got the Death Star. I think it was a Death Star. It was like a inside cutout. I have to look it up. Awesome. I might be. I might be making that up. I'm not sure. But I mean, I think it was inside of a, a Death Star. So clearly your your fandom and, you know, people who, they say that if you enjoy something uh, really well, make it something, somewhat of a career or say your passion. And you took that to go to Star Wars Autograph Universe and become a mod. And uh, mm -hmm. for Andy, if you're watching, uh, hello again. And I was mentioning to Mike before, we want to thank you again for being our guest on episode two. That was amazing. Um We've had a lot of fun since then, and thanks for all the things you've taught us in the beginning, which we would not have known unless you had taught us. So I want to appreciate your your appearance for that reason and your friendship, of course. 
So how did you? How did Andy accept you to be a mod? How did that happen? So I've been a long, I've been a member of Star Wars Autograph Universe since it pretty much started. So Andy and his team is a couple guys that started the group, and I owe them a big debt of gratitude because they have taught me, I think, you know, a lot of the members and even the mod team so much. Um, but being a Star Wars crazed person and an autograph collector, a while ago, uh, it was about 2016, I want to say, when Star Wars Autograph Universe started. And I had joined a bunch of different autograph groups years before, and I was looking for stuff and hunting for stuff. And I was asking the group for Star Wars autographs. And Andy messaged me out of the blue and was like, hey, I started this group. You should join it. Check it out. If you're looking for autographs, we have some cool stuff. And I thought, sure, why not? And ever since then, SWAU has become a bit of a home to myself and a lot of other people because it's just a big community of like-minded Star Wars fanatics. And really, you know, one of the biggest things that SWAU has done is they've built a sense of community. So it's a really, it's a big community of people that are equally minded and passionate about Star Wars and autographs and collecting. And one of the big things that they really, that we really push is uh, beyond a sense of community is the sense of authenticity. So, you know, like you can spend a lot of money on an autograph and it can be fake because a COA is worthless unless it has something behind it that backs it, you know, because you can, I can print off a COA on my printer over here if I wanted to. And if I was a scumbag and just sell, you know, a $10,000 poster that was just forged. So what we really do is we push this sense of, you know, authenticity and learning and educating. So SWAU has been built and it's been around for about five years now. And it's just, it's, it's done wonders for the community of collecting and uh, the guys have done a great job with educating and teaching and and um, helping and it's it's fun so I was asked to be a mod uh, of SWAU last year after being a member of the group for a long time and it's been it's been a great it's been a great ride I really enjoy it so far and, and learning more and more and um, helping other people because you know everybody starts off somewhere in their collection so if you can help someone make the right steps and make the right direction in their collection then you're doing the right thing because without help it's it's kind of it's kind of pointless. If we can't help each other, then what's the point in doing all this stuff? You know, you can have the coolest stuff, but if you're not helping somebody, this is I, really totally, I totally agree. I mean, um, and that's what the hobby really should be about, right? And one thing I've noticed with SWAU is you guys do a fairly good job, actually a very good job of kind of reaching out, um, kind of keeping topics fresh and helping people. And I really commend you guys for taking the time to do that. So, since Star Wars Autograph Universe is about autographs, and since you're a mod there and you're a Star Wars fan, I think this is a probably a natural segue. Do you have autographs? I sure do. I have a lot of Star Wars autographs. Not not as many as some, but <laughs> I really enjoy it, and it's something that's a hobby I've had. So um, I've been collecting autographs pretty much my whole life in some capacity, whether it be with soccer or entertainment or... Um, or a little bit of music here and there, but a big part of my collecting has always been Star Wars. So Star Wars toys from when I was younger and Star Wars stuff and Star Wars merchandise. And so it was a natural segue, I think, too, to kind of go into Star Wars autographs as I got a little older. Because one of the big things for me was the action figures. And so another big thing about that is collecting action figures. But now, as almost a 30-year-old guy, like I can't really play with my toys the same way. So oh, yeah. what, better, <laughs> what, what better way is there to do it than to have the same action figures I had as a kid, but get them autographed. So I get them actually autographed on the packaging, which is pretty cool. Um, like this is, these are my Power of the Force 2 uh, signed figures. So a big chunk of my collection is action figures. And I, I, one of my biggest, most fond memories has always been the orange carded Power of the Force 2 line. That was the first action figures that came out in Power of the Force 2 when uh, Star Wars and Kenner did their re-release 
of the toys and they did their release of the movies again in the 90s so um i have really fond memories of of, of getting these and so i've been trying to get all the orange carded power of the force 2 figures and um as it evolves a little bit, I've evolved into other action figures too. So like these are my uh, Marvel Legends. I'm a big Marvel fan as well. So Marvel Legends is the Hasbro action figures for Marvel. And I get my favorite character signed. So I have, you know, Captain America and Spider-Man and um, trying to get more. I, I, I'm, SW, SWAU actually is doing a signing with Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston for Marvel. So I'm going to get those action figures signed as well. And it's kind of cool. So I, I like, you know, I, I collect these action figures as you can see a little bit underneath those, but I like getting them signed, and this over here is a uh, a vintage Kenner signed Luke Skywalker. So I had this figure that I got, and someone years ago when they got this action figure in the stores, they bought it, and they took a surgical precision, and they shaved the proof of purchase off the back. So the figure oh. is still intact, but it's this figure is not considered complete because it's got this, the, the proof of purchase shaved with surgical precision. So... I got this figure and I got it signed by Mark Hamill when I met him. And it's one of my favorite pieces because I think it's a really cool, again, it's, it has Hoth, which is one of my favorite things about Star Wars as a kid. And it's a vintage action figure, but here it is. I think it looks awesome, but it just, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, it's a cool piece in my collection that I'm pretty, I, I pretty much love. And it's one that brings me joy every time I see it. Now, so Mike, those, sorry, Mike, is it because they took the proof of purchase to try and get the display arena? Yes. So at the time there was these different things that, you know, like, like it says here, the display arena, or some of them had like, you know, Boba Fett, or you could get a, a Emperor Palpatine or a nine numb. So these people would buy these figures really cheap at the stores when they were on clearance and they'd shave the proof of purchase off. They get the, the mail away thing. So right, okay, it, it's pretty cool that, you know, that somebody kept this figure unpunched and intact all these years and really pristine bubble, but you know, it's not considered perfect now because this the, the the pop was shaved off the proof of purchase so it, it's kind of cool it's uh it's perfect in your eyes which is all that counts and for those all of you, that matters for sure and for those of you who are going to be listening to on podcast apologies i'm actually showing uh photos of some of uh, uh mike's collection um so i'm just showing some star wars figures so again apologies for those catching us on the uh, podcast but uh if you come to youtube you get to see it live um so just wanted to really show that really quickly and just you know, get people a feel for some of the Star Wars figures that you you collect, right? Yeah. So obviously we we learned that you know you 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 from a young childhood love Star Wars, decided to to follow your passion. Now you're a mod, <laughs> so you can see that some people. And one of the things of our show is we always want to show the passion of the hobby, right? So we're showing. And one of the reasons we want Mike around on this show is to show him show people out there that people aren't always just about money; they're about enjoying their hobby and helping others so i really appreciate mike's uh passion um i also want to uh, tell mike i really appreciate your cabinetry uh we had a <laughs> we had a discussion this morning or this afternoon about it and uh your your display is phenomenal so i appreciate you, you sharing that with us yeah so those are those are those are cabinets i i built I have a star wars collection in my house and those are actually the billy uh cabinets the bookcases they're called technically bookcases with the doors are called the Morladen doors. They look, it looks really clean all together. It looks like a, you know, like a museum kind of wall almost, but I think you know, yeah. yeah, the lighting too. I take a lot of, you know, LEDs with a dimmer so I can have it, you know, up or as, as down as much as I want and blackout curtains and all that fun stuff. Because one of the things too, SWAU is really passionate about, and I'm really passionate about is when you purchase the stuff and you have these cool things in your collection, not to let them 
you know, disappear essentially through yeah. mis mis storage and you know mm -hmm. and and uh, let them get damaged because they're um, not displayed properly. Because if you have a really cool action figure signed by Mark Hamill or Anthony Daniels and you leave it out in the you know fluorescent lights, it's going to disappear eventually, and you're not going to get to enjoy it for a long time. So. So, so, Mike, I got to ask you, how long did it take you to figure out how to display them the way you wanted them? <laughs> so, actually, you know, I, I, I've taken a lot of time to it and try to understand yeah. which way the light comes in. So, it's a little bit of, 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 of trying to be creative with the lighting and then a little bit also of, of kind of having the figure so you can see the autographs displayed. Right, right. On top, you see I have the Power of the Force 2 figures up top there, which are yeah. the orange carded. And those kind of face one way. And then underneath, I have Vintage Collection Action Figures, which is more of a modern line, which okay. they have everything from original trilogy and sequel trilogy and prequels and all the Star Wars stuff. But those all have a uniform line of, of, of the packaging is essentially like the, the Kenner packaging from the action figures. Mm -hmm. So those guys facing one direction and the other ones having a facing another direction to kind of mitigate the risk a little bit so that, you know, they're not all facing the same way. Is that you know? There's always a chance oh, okay. that light can come in a little bit, and right, that's cool. Yeah, so in my, uh, in my uh, happiness to have Mike on the show, I completely skipped the question and went right over to Kent's question. So I'm going to re recover uh, a little bit. Yeah, and want to get into. We started asking you about the Star Wars autograph. So what I'll do, Kent, is I'll show the autographing, and you can get into the question about the autograph. So apologies there. No worries, no worries. That's awesome. So. Um... Is there any particular autographs that you found were harder to obtain than others? And which one would you say is like your top three? That's a good question. So I, the, the section of a piece behind me here, um, it's my, it's a 16 by 20 of. Uh, I think we have a picture of that one, don't we? That's yeah, I think, I think there's a picture of it there. There's a 16 oh, by right. 20 of, of uh, Han, Luke, and Leia in the hallway in A New Hope. And. It's 16 by 20 photo of this is one of my favorite pieces. Um, I really love it because it just it just it it encapsulates Star Wars in a single photo. You know, it's these story of these three plucky people kind of fighting a, a, a bigger a bigger enemy, and they're you know fighting with the, fighting together against this bigger enemy. And it, it just it's Star Wars, and I'm a big I'm a big Han Solo fan. He's always been my favorite. Um, but essentially. This is one of my favorites, and it's I've been I've been lucky enough to meet two of the three of them over over time. So I met Mark Hamill and I met Carrie Fisher, and I was really lucky to meet them. But um, there's a lot of autographs I don't have yet that I'm I'm, I'm after, and not surprisingly enough, they're actually on action figures. So oh. I'm really after an Alec Guinness signed a Power of the Force two figure. He was alive for a couple of years uh, when those figures came out. So there's a number there's a handful of them out there, and I'm really after one for my run. I'm after a Frank Oz signed Yoda action figure for my collection. Um, I have both of them signed on photos, but I don't have them yet on the action figure. So there's always something that you're striving for. And it kind of makes the collecting fun because you're always hunting, looking for something you don't have yet. Now, is it true that, um, I don't know how true the rumors were, but that Alex Skinnitz didn't like signing anything Star Wars? So, yeah, I mean, he signed his mail for a number of years. He would sign stuff he sent it to him in the mail, and he was he would sign it. And it was funny. There's a there's a among collectors. There's this there's this kind of like an inside joke almost that he would sign it with a pink pen because like he just loved oh. his pink pen. And there's these awesome photos of Alec Guinness with you know his lightsaber up fighting Darth Vader, or, you know, talking to Luke. It's signed in a pink pen, so it's like it's kind of funny that like he just kind of <laughs> it was kind of like him like playing a joke. I think on the autograph collectors. Oh yeah. But there's, you know, there's stories of him saying essentially that you know, like there's a kid who came up to him one time 
And I was like, you know, would you sign an autograph? And he said, I'll sign an autograph as long as you never watch Star Wars ever again. And the kid was left crying. Like he was, he, he made a lot of money off Star Wars because he got points on the film. So he was made a very wealthy man because of Star Wars. But I think that he kind of resented it in a way because here he was this really established renowned actor and people only recognized him from Star Wars, not from his like Academy Award nominated films and, you know, Bridge Over River Kwai and all these things. Like he was just kind of, that was all like, it didn't matter. All that mattered, he was in the space wizard movie and he was like, you know, this great character that everybody cared about, but no one cared about his like actual acting skills. So I think right, he resented right. it a little bit. I'm just going to take a break for one second because there's a Facebook user so Facebook user, if you allow yourself to go on a StreamYard and allow yourself so we can see who you are. But we have a question here. So what is Michael's favorite Star Wars piece and how long does he think it would take to hang it on his wall? So I have uh, I have an, I have this autograph here that I hung up. I actually framed a copy of it behind me. This is my favorite piece in my collection. Um, as of right now, because it always changes. You know, you, you never know what you're going to get next. You never know what's going to pop up next. You never know what you're going to find because there can always be, you know, one day this could be replaced by an Empire Strikes Back poster or something else. So there's always that, you know, the striving for something better. But this one is a copy that I framed up really nicely so I can protect the actual investment for the long haul. And I can hopefully one day, you know, pass it on to my kids and sure. they can appreciate it, too. So this is a copy of my wall. and It looks great. It didn't take too long to hang up on the wall. It was pretty it was pretty easy, pretty painless process. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Michael, for that answer. Of course. Uh, question for you now regarding um, your figures and stuff like that. So you've sh we've seen and shown a little bit of your Kenner stuff. Now, do you collect anything like Sideshow or Artifacts or anything of the other one? So I have not. And I have a lot of friends that are trying to, like, you know, be the little devil on my shoulder trying to get me into that world. But oh, yeah. I won't do it yet because, yeah. like, I, it's, you know – being that I collect a lot of things, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but I collect soccer stuff and I collect, you know, right. soccer jerseys and soccer autographs and Star Wars and Marvel and Indiana Jones autographs and some toys too and stuff. So one of the biggest things is trying to stay a little focused in your collecting and not get like all over the place, even though I am all over the place, I guess you could say. So I have not dabbled yet in a sideshow, but they've made some awesome stuff. Yeah. They, they, made a, they made a baby Yoda as I'm wearing a shirt right now, a baby Yoda <laughs> statue that's like the coolest thing ever. And I've seen it in person a couple of times and I really wanted to pull the trigger on it, but I didn't, I stayed strong until like, I can't, I, I don't have space to put it yet. I don't have, I haven't, I haven't dabbled in that world. It'll happen eventually though. Because, so so what, you know, you're, what you're saying is there's a chance. There's always a chance, you know, there's always a chance. I got some friends I'm sure that are watching that are going to, they're going to message me afterwards and be like, Hey, this is an awesome Darth Vader. You could buy for your collection. Like you should do it. <laughs> Just being awful influences, but uh, hasn't happened yet, but I think it will at some point. Nice, nice. Possibly. <laughs> so going back to your original line of Kenner uh, figures, mm -hmm. did you ever dabble into like the uh, country variants, like, you know, Canada, for example, like French and English, other countries that may have different languages? Did you ever yeah. get into that? Yeah, so I, I travel quite a bit with uh, with work and a little bit for fun, too. So I've been a little bit all over the place for work and have friends around the world, too. So one of the things I like to do is I like to try to find things when I travel internationally that are a little different because things that you wouldn't be able to find here at like a, at a vintage toy store. So like I've been to France and I bought some cool French um, board games. I bought a really cool uh, French French board game of Star Wars, uh, it's Escape the Death Star. And it has all the characters names. Like it says oh. uh, Dark Valor instead of Darth Vader, uh, Chick Taba instead of Chewbacca, 
like ZDP6 instead of C3PO, like all these different character names that were the French names for the characters, I guess. And that's something I really like because I bought it for like 20 euro walking down the street in Lyon, France one day. I was like, I need that for my collection. And it's something I look at and I smile. I'm like, it's just such a weird thing. You know, I, I bought some stuff in Argentina. When I went to Argentina, I bought a Darth Vader uh, Top Toys design, uh, Top Toys action figure of Darth Vader for my collection. So finding cool stuff. I have some Canadian stuff, some French stuff, some Japanese stuff. I have some Greek stuff, actually, because I'm Greek. So I found... Uh, right. In Greece, they didn't have the license for the 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 the, 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 um, the trading cards. So a bunch of Greek guys got together in the 70s and 80s, and they just bootlegged them. They scanned them in, or they copied them, and they printed them themselves. And there's, amazingly enough, there's Star Wars trading cards from the 80s, from Empire Strikes Back, with Star Trek and the Incredible Hulk mixed in there for some reason. So it's just like, <laughs> it's just super random. But there's just, it, it's cool to find different stuff you don't find all the time. You know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so staying on the figures uh, topic, so when Star Wars um, not too long ago came out with the Black Series, you know there was a huge rush for it. It was unimaginable. Many, like myself, also wondered if the Star Wars Black Series was worth collecting. Uh, what are your thoughts on the higher end Black Series of figures, and do you see these ones appreciating over time? Oh yes. So I, I too was big on the Black Series craze. Like I think that oh that's an awesome one, the Jyn Erso one. That's nice. That's the, that's the exclusive con convention exclusive, right? Yeah, it's the uh, San Diego Comic Con one. And that's a nice figure. If I can get it out. So yeah, I mean, the Black Series, yeah, but the Black Series was a big deal when it came out because I mean, it was the first time we'd ever seen a figure of that scale, I think. Right. And so, it was pretty cool that you know there were these, um, there were these figures. I, I bought the R two D two, put them on my desk at home when he first came out, and I, that was one of the first figures I had. That's a nice action figure. It's one of the first figures I had uh, on my desk for a while in a number of years. And he kind of went with me to college and he came with me all over the place and kind of went to my apartments. And and eventually he's now on my shelf upstairs in my Star Wars room. But I mean, I had an R2. But, uh, you know, I, I have a full shelf of all my Black Series sorted out by movie and, you know, series. And it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I really enjoy them because they're such cool figures. I mean, yeah they're detailed and articulated and the face sculpts have gotten crazy better. I mean, you can, it feels like you're looking at the actors sometimes for sure. For sure. And of course I have dabbled in getting some of those signed. I have a good friend that has, he gets them all signed and I've dabbled a little bit and gotten a couple of my favorite characters. Like I have an Ahsoka and I have a, uh, Anakin Skywalker and I have uh, an Emperor Palpatine and I'm getting a Mandalorian signed via SWAU, but I think they're really cool looking and they just, the figures look awesome. They're, they're made more for adult collectors like ourselves. And they, they really took the time to make them worth it. Like the, the 17, $20 that they come out to be. And it's, they're awesome. I mean, those figures that first came out, they're like $300 now. Some of them, like, it's yeah, just it's ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah. I have a whole bunch of stuff in my storage room that I got to look at and like, see if I can get some <laughs> more autograph money, maybe, you know, <laughs> sell some of them. <laughs> So speaking of the Black Line series, um, what is the most expensive or rare figure out there that you don't have, and what is the most expensive rare figure that you do have for the for the Black series? Um, um, any any Star Wars action figure that you currently have in your collection? So in my collection, I have I have uh, I'm slowly but surely working on my twelve back run of the original carded uh, twelve backs, which were the first twelve figures that came out. Um, wow. So I have three of them so far. So I'm a quarter of the I'm a, I am about a quarter of the way there right now. I have a Darth Vader, I have a, a Sand Person, and I have a Death Squad Commander. So those are the three I have carded. Oh, so you have like a Tuscan Raider? 
I have a Tuscan Raider. Oh, yes, cool, cool. which is so the the figure I think calls him a sand sand yeah, people sand, sand person. person. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty funny. But uh, so I have those three so far, and I'm trying to get you know as it comes up the full line of all twelve of them. But the the most expensive figure I think I have is I have a double telescoping lightsaber Luke Skywalker. So that's when they oh, in the early yeah. bird kit. Wow. So in the early bird kit, they had that, and that was if you don't know, it was the arm the the the, the sabers came out of the arms in the early days. And they would come out once, but in the earlier early bird kits, they would come out twice. So it'd come out once, and you'd pull the tip of the saber out a second time. And they're really kind of um, uncommon to be found because a lot of times kids would, you know, beat the crap out of them as kids, and you know, they'd rip the filament out of the saber, and it's you don't find them very often anymore. So I have one of those that I bought uh, myself a number of years ago, and it's it's well worth it, in my opinion. That. Um, I invested in it and I got it encapsulated by a company called the uh, CAS and um, yeah, just protected it to make sure I can, you know, keep it safe for the long haul because that's like, that's, that's appreciated quite a bit now. So that's, I think that's definitely the most uh, expensive action figure I have. And again, it also makes me smile because it's not just about how much it is, but it makes, if it makes you smile, that's all that matters. You know, sure. it makes you happy to see it. But what would, uh, one of those, what would one of those go for nowadays? Oh man. I mean, it's it's anybody's guess, but I mean, probably a couple thousand dollars, maybe two thousand, maybe. It's you know, oh. it's, I didn't pay anywhere near that, but I mean, it's it's crazy that you know, the movies have have really drawn a lot of people to come into or refine Star Wars. A lot of people um, grew up on it and they kind of left it for whatever reason because life happened, you know, and now they're refining Star Wars, and so a lot of people have a little bit of money to spend. And they want to get something that makes them happy, and so they'll spend money, and it's. It, collecting is it's crazy you know there's all kinds of cool stuff out there with star wars and action figures and autographs it's just there's all kinds it's it's never ending you know i mean i think you had a question yeah i have a question do they so similar to trading cards where they grade them like psa or whatnot do they grade action figures they do no kidding yeah give us a little bit of background on that so yeah, so like comic books or or uh, cards, they there's there's a couple of companies out there. There's two big ones. One's called AFA Action Figure Authority, and the other one is uh, CAS, which is called uh, Collector Archive Services. Oh. and um, it's kind of cool. So they, these two companies out there essentially have taken the time to grade people's action figures. They can send them in whether they're sealed. Like they're, I have, I have for instance, I have a speeder bike um, from Return of the Jedi that was sealed and it's it was sealed in a in a, a shipping box and someone found a shipping box sealed in somebody's attic or something one day and they cut it open and they had these mint and sealed box speeder bikes that were still in the the the, the, the um the packaging right so i, I bought one of those uh, i think like 250 dollars a couple of years ago and i have one of those that's just it's awesome again you know going it all goes back to what makes you fall in love with star wars and so that was one of the things that really made me fall in love with it. And so I bought that. It's like an 85, I think, or 85 or 90, um, which is like pretty much as high as it goes. Like like comic books, 9.8 is as high as it goes, or you know, a C or a PSA 10 or a Beckett yeah. 10, right for a card. So the pretty much the like the like an 85 or a 90 is pretty much as high as you're gonna go with paint degradation. Um, but like some of the stuff is just it's crazy. I mean, graded. Like I have, I have um, some of the rare figures that I've bought um, graded, and it's just they look really cool. They look really cool, you know, because they're like in this little plastic case, and their weapon is aside, and you can look at them, and 
they're like they're protected. You know, there's not going to be knocked over, or you're not going to have them, you know, get bumped into or anything like that. So they're protected in this little, this little steel, this little uh, acrylic case, which is uh, it, it makes them cool. I find it funny that, or ironic maybe that, anytime something valuable is found, it's always in an attic. Always. <laughs> There was there was comics. Yeah, there was a story a couple of years ago. A number of my friends in my in the Star Wars collecting toy collecting community are big. They're big into it, and they hunt prototype stuff and pre production stuff and all kinds of cool stuff. But um, there was a story I forget who told me a number of years ago that there's somebody there's like there's this young man. His mom bought him toys for Christmas, and I guess he was bad that year, so she put them in the attic to hide them. And the mother passed away, and a number of years later, about 20, 30 years later, I think it was probably 40, I want to say, 40 years later or so, they were cleaning out her house, and they found the original action figures sitting in the attic in the shopping bag with the receipt. So here it was. She bought him all these toys for Christmas, and he never got them. And so now they're like, you know, they're worth, you know, 100 times more than what they would ever right. be, 1,000 times more than what they would ever be if they were, you know, opened and played with. They would have just been regular action figures. But now there's these mint and sealed box, sealed, you know, packaging, mint on card, you know, a couple thousand dollars a figure and what was bought for a dollar, you know? <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. You know, it's funny, though. So when I buy my children toys now, in the back of my head, I'm like, should I let them open it? Should I let them open it? <laughs> right. And then they'll be playing with, like, there was this... Uh, they, had, they were big fans of it. Total segue here, but I'll just explain quickly. They're huge fans of a show called uh, Paw Patrol. Um, so we happen to know a family friend whose nephew or sorry, whose son works for that company, and he brought over one of the toys. So my son's playing with the toys, and I find out later, oh, that's a that's a rare Astro dog or whatever it may be. And I'm like, <gasps> I should have never let him play with it. I should have never let him play with it. Anyway. I have those thoughts often when I. When you're I you're not alone. You're not even me on like you know. I know that modern stuff isn't really as collectible necessarily as it was before. But like I'll keep the boxes for certain toys that I buy for myself. Like I buy, I bought like the Millennium Falcon that came out for Solo, the movie, right? And I kept the box. I was like, maybe one day I'll need it, you know. So I'll yeah, keep exactly. it. <laughs> it's funny though, you know. It's just it's 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 wild at some of the stuff that what it goes for. Yeah, just almost like a, a, a stunned moment for a second. Like I almost went silent just thinking of all the toys I played with and what's worth now. Wow. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. You know, there's cool stuff out there, whether it be um, like, you know, our friends, again, that collect pre-production stuff. So one of the hardest and one of the most sought after and the most legendary of all toys is the rocket firing Boba Fett, which is the action figure that was only a prototype. Right. That's right. <clears throat> and so uh, I have friends that, that have owned some. They've owned a couple, you know, at a time. And I went to a friend's house a number of years ago and let me fire the rocket out of one of them. And I was so afraid. I'm like, what happens if I break it? And he's like, well, if it breaks, it's still, it's still like, it's still sought after. The pieces are there. So just shoot it. I mean, it's a toy. Shoot it. <laughs> I was like, this is like, uh, this is like an ungodly amount of money here. And I shot the rocket and I was like blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool because that was never a toy that made it out to the shelves. It was right. only a toy that was supposed to, but then you know, for um, safety concerns, they never allowed it to 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 escalate. So there's only prototypes, only pre-production, only um, this prototypes of that action figure. So it's pretty cool to actually hold one and to shoot one. It was like it was insane. 
again, stunned moment of silence just thinking about <laughs> I was thinking about figures that I used to own and I'm sure Kent used to own. And I had a fair number of them. A fair number of them. I still remember one of them was uh the what do you call the guards with the red cloak, the red uh oh the emperor's royal guards. Yeah. Yes. I remember I had one of those. I vividly remember having that. I remember I, I tried to keep it forever. I cannot remember where I put it. <laughs> Anyways, I can't. I'll let you get back to it. I'm going to stop reminiscing. I'm going to start crying on live, live TV. Um, one more question from me before I turn it over to me again. Sure. Uh, so besides action figures, is there any other Star Wars memorabilia you collect? Or did you have even? So autographs is a big part of it. Um, you know, I, I dabble in autographs and everything from like eight by ten photos, eleven by fourteens, to posters all the way up. And you know, um, I dabble a little bit in Funko Pops here and there. So these are the vintage collection action figures, which I really I like a lot. And um, the the action figures, the toys is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. I uh, like you know meeting. I enjoy meeting the celebrities too. This is Mark Hamill and I, and I've met Carrie Fisher, and I've met. Um, a number of a number of people over the years but star wars it's pretty much it's, it comes down to the toys a big a big chunk of it is the toys and the autographs i mean i'll dabble a little bit here and there and i'll get like a lightsaber when i find them that are pretty cool but uh the biggest thing i collect in star wars is autographs and action figures nice awesome so i'm just showing people uh, some of your collection there um, mike has graciously sent us a lot of his photos to to share on on live show tonight but obviously when you get caught up in conversation, um, share screens are not top of mind. So I'm trying to I keep a, a window open just to remind me. And oh, Kent, awesome. what, are you, what are you doing there, Kent? That is a uh, exclusive from Fan Expo. It's Lego, the Tatooine um, Jawa scene with uh, RTD2 in them. That is awesome. Yeah, I think it was limited to 2,000 sets. Though the Legos are a crazy thing too. Like I dabble a little bit with Legos. I have a couple sets. Like I built an X-wing for my, uh, my by my TV. I keep it. But Legos. I mean, I have friends that have sold some Lego sets recently, and they are absolutely insane. Like these Lego sets have sold for thousands and thousands of dollars. And that's just like you know, it's a building toy that you know. I would build Lego sets every now and then when I was a kid. And like, had I kept those Star Wars Lego sets in the box instead of building them, I would have been. I, I would have been very a very very rich man because these sets like you know the original Star Wars Lego sets are selling now for at least a thousand two thousand dollars, you know if they're sealed it's it's crazy some of them five hundred some of them three hundred but like some of the ones that I had are like a thousand dollar sets it's just absolutely crazy to think about. Wow, yeah, these two boxes have never been opened. My two uh, exclusive sets. So yeah, the other keep one them that way, keep them that way for sure. Was, uh, this was uh, who is this? Oh, it's the ghost. Yeah, also, from Rebels. Yeah. That's awesome. Canon, it looks like. Yes, it is Canon, yeah. Very <laughs> cool. there, Kent, you were like hiding behind a box, and I was like, this is getting <laughs> weird. What, what are you doing there? <laughs> um, this is getting weird. That's, that's funny. And also, I've been in Toys R Us with my kids, and we go early in the morning because my kids wake up early, and there are people going to this one Toys R Us fairly early, and I was like, what the, what the hell are they doing here? I thought yeah. they were they were pack searchers which I, or looking for the wax. So I was like, oh, let's get away from those guys. Um, but I go into the figures aisles, right? And they're there looking, pick up the box. And like, I remember my son was like, I want this. And just grabbed the box. And I, <laughs> the guy was like, just staring at him. And I'm looking at him like, what are you going to do, dude? What are you going to do? And just walked out. Um, and I remember seeing those guys in the stores. That's amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, the, it, I, I miss Toys R Us here in the States because we don't have Toys R Us anymore. But um, Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. No, we, ha- we haven't had Toys R Us in a while. So it's, you know, it's pretty much just Walmart, Target, and um, Amazon are the three big ones. Or Entertainment Earth or things like that, too. You know, like novelty kind of toy stores. But we don't have a, a actually brick-and-mortar toy stores anymore aside from uh, Walmart and Target, pretty much. But, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun memories of going to Toys R Us as a kid, hunting making my birthday list or Christmas list or, you know, picking something up when I had a return or a gift card or, you know, just Star Wars was always the first place I'd run to. It was always Star Wars and uh, Action Man, which was another toy that was like the European G.I. Joe. So those were like the two things that I would always find. Whenever those would come into the States, the Action Man, I was like, I was just, I was all in, you know. Those two things is pretty much my childhood. Star Wars, uh, Star Wars, Action Man, and a little bit of Batman and Spider-Man. But uh, that's pretty much it. Interesting, interesting. So you did segue a little bit about Funko Pops, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so originally, originally when our and I'll, I'll give a shout out to our friend, our common friend Billy Celio, who works at Upper mm-hmm. Deck. He's also uh, very good friends with Mike and very good friends with uh, Andy. So the hobby circle is very small and very uh, close knit. It's very interesting that you know someone I grew to knew uh, Billy in my trading, so I collect trading cards, and then he knew you guys, and we got exposure that way. Anyways, he, uh, I want to give a quick shout out there, but he mentioned that you're a Funko Pop collector at the very first time that we had talked. So um, you did get into that a bit. So why don't you kind of tell us about the Funko Pops, and I'll share whatever the photos you sent to us. So yeah, far. yeah. So I mean, uh, being that I'm a Star Wars guy and a toy guy, it was a natural kind of progression to be like, what's this new kind of toy? It was the Funko Pop. So I kind of started collecting a little bit of Funko Pops here and there, and I would get them signed. So this is actually my Star Wars Funko Pop collection, and they're pretty much all signed with a couple exceptions that are, you know, some of the higher end pops. But I, I like that you can have them uniforms. Like I'm a big, I love the animated shows. So I like, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels. So yeah, like sure. one of my things on the left there you can see is I have the ghost crew. So I have, you know, Hera and Kanan and Ezra, Sabine, Zeb, Ahsoka. And I have a mall up there too that are all signed. And I have a, I have a, um, a Thrawn that I bought. Again, actually, ironically enough from Toys R Us. That was the Toys R Us exclusive. That I had those all there lined up and I have almost all of them signed. And I have the Clone Wars next to them. That I've gotten those signed and those pops are crazy in value now. They've exploded because you know a lot of people discovered Clone Wars for the first time after watching the last season last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and, and then you know I have some other ones like Carrie Fisher. You can see down there was the first pop I ever got signed. So I met Carrie Fisher and I got that that Funko Pop signed. And I got a J.J. Abrams signed pop above it. And just I have a Daisy Ridley there that I got from SWAU. And you know some just some some different stuff like Billy D. Williams and. Then on top of it, too, I, I kind of dabble a little bit. I'm a Marvel fan, too. So I have a, a handful of Marvel pops. Like I have a Spider-Man and an Ant-Man and a Loki and Captain America, Mysterio, uh, Scarlet Witch, and Vision. So some of my favorite characters that I've met, and I've met these actors, and I get them to send a pop because they look kind of cool. You know, you can have them all lined up together, and they're all, even though they're different movies and different series, they look uniform, and they can stack together. Right. And uh, I, I just like the way they look, you know. I've, I've dabbled in pops a little bit here and there, and... I'm, a, I'm an action figure guy at heart, but I mean, it's a natural kind of, it's like a natural progression. It's like the cousin of an action figure is these Funko Pops. And it just, it just moves perfectly. It just kind of flows. Really, you know, what's really interesting is um, you said a couple of things. Like I said, we're getting more exposure in the hobby from other eras. Like, for example, you know, anything in the Star Wars and all that stuff. Um, you said a couple of things. So first of all, there's a question I'm asking, I'm dying to ask you. So 
Uh, I want to go back to this original picture here. Give me one second. Uh, in this picture here, how often do you dust your collection? I'm curious. How often? I don't dust it very often. They're actually all the Funko Pops are in cases. And to, you know, Andy mentioned this here. Star Wars is better than Marvel. I agree. I'm, 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 I love both franchises, but Star Wars is and always will be my number one. First of all, but in addition to that, the cool thing about action figures is that usually they're in cases, so they're kind of protected a little bit from dust. So these are all in Funko stacks um, cases. So they're all kind of encapsulated within a case. So there's not really any much chance of dust getting onto them. But um, I don't really dust my collection because most of it is in cabinets. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's always something that like every now and then I'll dust like the helmets I have around it and stuff like that. But I, um, yeah, I mean it's the cool like I try to keep them protected a little bit so they're in cases in a shelf usually or if they're even yeah. if they're not they're all protected. But yeah, it's something I don't want to think about too much because I keep <laughs> them all protected because I don't want to dusting them will be a real pain because there's nothing worse than having action figures on a riser, you know, yeah. like one of those little spice rack riser kind yeah. of things. And you just go into the dust, and they all go over, and they all collapse, and you have to figure out whose gun goes with whose, whose lightsaber goes with whose, whose you know staff. That's just a real pain in the butt. So it's like I just keep them all kind of away from, away from as much as I can, away from the dust, and hope and hope and pray it goes well. <laughs> yeah, I had that issue dusting my Gundams. They kind of fell over, and the guns got all mixed up. It's a real pain. Yeah. <laughs> then you got to go to the internet and search right? who's Gundam, who, who's go, whose gun goes to which Gundam or which action figure, you know? So the the other thing you said, which I found really interesting, is so in the uh, trading card circles, there's a lot of conversation about uniformity of cards in the collection, right? You made a comment about how you like the uniformity of the sizing and the packaging of the Funkos. So it's interesting to see a parallel between a card collecting thinking about, you know, for example, I want only PSA slabs, only Beckett slabs. And you're like, I, I like the way these stack. They're very uniform. So I love mm -hmm. how, and no matter what you're collecting, there's there's always a, a theory of linear thinking when you're when you're collecting that has to be somewhat uniform in some way. Like yeah. That, that, yeah, very neat. Yeah, it's you know it's it's a it's a big thing for me for sure. Is that I think it, it with collecting, I think one of the coolest things about displaying a collection is having it look nice. You know, having it look together, having it look a little uniform. You know, so it's like it's a big deal for me for sure to have uniformity and have a little bit of of like clean lines almost. That's something I've gotten from my parents for sure. Is having like you know a little bit of uniformity i guess is the best word to put i think i hit it on the head before and you hit it too is For that sure. you know you, you can if you can have something from different franchises you can have something from you know marvel and star wars and have them look great next to each other it's pretty awesome if you can have you know you know like i have in my action figures if you, if you can have a ahsoka from clone wars and you can have a mandalorian and a luke skywalker all in a row and they look great together it's kind of cool you know it's it's yeah. it's it's, it's if you can display them together and it looks nice, I think it looks it, it's it's definitely creative and it's fun. I'm just sharing Andy's comment. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know it's made of fourth and it's all about Star Wars today, but I I will put an equal sign there for me because I have as much a love as I do for Star Wars as I have for Marvel. Um, but then again, if I had to pick my favorite character of all time, it has to be Hulk. So Andy may not be my friend with me anymore. <laughs> stop, stop talking while I'm there. <laughs> um, so thank you to talk to us about the Funko Pops. Now, I'm yeah, getting absolutely. to the part of the show where I'm pretty excited about. So this is something that we discovered when I talked to you about two months ago that I didn't know mm -hmm. about your background. And 
Um, just like our show is about diversity of the hobby culture, you know, each person itself is a unique person and diverse in their own nature. And Mike, you have a pretty, pretty diverse and interesting background. So yeah, when I get into you, you collect Star Wars and Funko Pops, but you actually have a very interesting story with unique ties to a Greek soccer club via yes. your, your grandfather, and you're a Team USA soccer fan. Yes. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you explain to us your tie to the Greek soccer club. And while you're doing that, I'm going to show some photos. So yeah. Continue. So yeah. So um, I'm a, I'm a big diehard soccer fan my whole life. And um, I've gotten that really from, from two people, really. Uh, my grandfather uh, was the, he played soccer in Greece and he helped found a team in the, in the part of Greece, the region of Greece, the city in Greece that he was, uh, he was born in and from, which is called Nafbaktos in Greece. And so this team is called Asteras, which means stars. So it's as you can see here, it's Nafpaktiakos uh, Asteras, um, which is the is the club. So it's Asteras, which was formed in 1958. My grandfather actually played for them. Um, he founded the team with a couple of his friends. And um, that's actually my grandfather there in the center of the photo. And so he he made this, he really, from the time I was born, the time I was little, one of the earliest things I remember um, is soccer. So the soccer obsession, and he kind of made me a fan. I actually had the privilege of going to visit um, the stadium where the, the team currently plays at with my grandfather and my brother and my mom um, in 2015. And so I actually, uh, my grandfather knows how big of a soccer fan I am. And he, uh, he helped pull some strings and get a scarf and, and, a, and a hat for my brother and I each from the club. And so this is one of my grandfather's favorite pictures, his favorite memories, is that he loved how passionate we were and how uh, how much – my brother too, but mainly me, how obsessed I have become with soccer. Like it's become a point of like obsession, no joke, like daily obsession that I will follow teams and I follow the U.S. around the world to watch them play and I'll watch every game um, and – I, you know, graphing the players and collecting and stuff like that. But uh, this picture actually he had with him uh, whenever he like, you know, it was always near him. He was his favorite picture. He always told me um, he took it with him to the to the hospital a couple times and things like that. But it was just it was it, this this passion for soccer. So he started this team. They're currently in the uh, the Gamma Ethniki, which is the fourth division in in Greece. So there's in in, in Europe, uh, unlike American sports, there's promotion relegation. So you know the best sure. teams go up a level and the worst yep. teams go down a level. So every year, like you don't have to worry about like a draft pick like they do in the US or in Canada. It's, it's mainly, you know, you're you're fighting to keep like your place in the league. So they're currently in the fourth league. They've gone up a couple times. They've gone down a few times with their, like their fourth division, which is pretty good. I mean, there's a handful of leagues in Greece and in England, but um, they're, 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 they've grown a number of years. And so my grandfather made, uh, he formed this team, created this passion in me and it's funny is that he would always tell me these stories that um, he played fullback, which is a defender that plays all the way in on the back. And I played center back when I was playing soccer. And so he'd always tell me stories about how he would play. And, you know, and you hear about it and they nicknamed him Ragazzo, which is, which is, uh, was named after an Italian player at the time. And so he would always go through the town and people would call him Ragazzo. And, you know, it's, a, it, it was always fun. And it was great for me to see that we went together to, to Greece, to Nafbak, that's where he was from. And all these years later, you know, we're walking the street and people are screaming, Ragazzo, they're screaming at my grandfather. And it was so cool that he left this legacy of being a soccer player and being a good person as well in the community. But, you know, through soccer, he left this legacy that people remembered him all these years later. 
and it was just this this obsession that he left me. So he made my mom a soccer fan, and my my uncle, and my aunt a soccer fan. I think mostly the most though the person he left the biggest impact on was soccer was my mom and my grandmother. And so Ooh. to this point, my mom, my grandfather passed away unfortunately in 2019, but um, my mom and my grandmother are big soccer fans as well. And so my mom made me a fan from the time I was little. She went to the World Cup in 94 in the US and she brought me back a, a shirt and a hat and a stuffed animal, the mascot and these cards. And it started this obsession I had with soccer cards because I didn't open them until a couple of years later, but I was obsessed with soccer, right? And so it's amazing that to this day, I will travel to games. I've been to games with my mom and my dad and my brother. And I actually met up with my grandparents at a game once. And that was great to see a game with my grandfather and my grandmother. But the coolest thing, though, is that my grandmother at, you know, 87 years old will call me at <laughs> halftime and she'll text me like, that was a great pass. Or, you know, that what, what are they doing? I could play better than them. And, you know, it's so funny that my mom will call me. And she's like, you know, can the defense get it together? And I, you know, I'm sitting there at games sometimes talking to the players and uh, you know, this is a picture of me actually here in 94 um, with uh, two years old with the shirt, the world cup 94 shirt that my mom, my mom and dad got me from the world cup. And it was just uh soccer obsessed from a very, very young age. Um, but it's, it's, it's been a soccer obsession, a lifelong obsession. And it's like, you know, I watch games, the Premier League games every, every, every weekend morning I can, I'll try to wake up early and catch a game and eating some breakfast and, following on my phone as different leagues and different players around the world are playing and it's, it's fun. It's interesting because, you know, you have a, a passion for star Wars passion for figure <laughs> passion for, for soccer. I don't want to ask you any other passion because we don't have two hours to talk about. I will just uh, <laughs> go there. But I, to me, what I love about your story is one, um, you've kind of shown how much family matters in what you do. Right, you show that your family bleeds that pla that passion, right? The bloodlines. Your father passed it. Your grandfather passed it down. Your mom and your grandmother enjoy it. You you talk about family with such pride and passion that it makes me feel good. Like you're actually able to in envelop your passion with your family members, right? Um, however, you didn't mention yet if they like Star Wars figures or not, but we won't go there. We won't you go know, there. it's funny. Really quick, I'll I'll bring it up since you brought it up. My dad sometimes will give me a hard time. He's like, you know, you you spend all this time and energy on Star Wars stuff, but he doesn't remember that he was the one who got me obsessed with it. So I have memories of going with my dad to the stores because my dad is a very passionate person as a whole. And so my dad, when I was younger, would go to the stores with me and he'd be hunting for the, the you know, the, the Star Wars Power of the Force 2 figures. Like he'd be buying them because there was the short tray and the long tray lightsaber oh, yeah. and the, the full hand Boba Fett versus the, the quarter hand and all this stuff. And he'd be buying them and going to toy shows with me and stuff. And so I grew up with it. It was a big part of my life. And so, you know, like soccer is a big part of my life through my mom and my grandfather. Star Wars is a big part of my life through my dad. So it's been kind of like, you know, these things that have been the biggest parts of my life have been there pretty much my entire life from the time I was little, you know, until now. And it's, it's kind of funny how that works sometimes. It's good, though, because like I said, one of the things that Kent and I did with this show was all about the diversity and inclusive nature of it. The other thing that's not mentioned is the familial aspect of it, which is, you know, it's about family and enjoying life and getting along. And Star Wars actually lends that quite nicely, but good over evil. So there's a bit of that as well, right? So you're showing that, you know, your very strong culture with your family, your cultural background anyways, with your Greek heritage, you know, it's, it's interesting how it's all coming full circle and touches a bit of part of your other collections. There's absolutely. one thing. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's just absolutely. You're hundred percent right. It's 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 
You get so, gotta ask you. So going back to your dad, your grandfather for a second. I know we're almost at an hour. I hope you're okay to go a little bit. Absolutely, longer. yeah, no problem. Um, I still want to talk about the Greek soccer club because of all the things we talked about, that's the thing that I was like, holy. Well, we won't go there. Um, <laughs> this is a, <laughs> a family-friendly show. We won't we won't be using any of those words. Um, have you? Did your grandfather share share with you any cool stories or memorabilia from the Greek soccer club? Um, and the second part I want you to answer is how does it feel to be part of such a storied history and having a franchise that you, your family had a, a part to play in? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I have some stuff. I have, you know, uh, one of the, I'm a big soccer jersey guy, too. And unfortunately, my grandfather didn't have his jersey because that would have been the coolest thing in the world to have, like, his jersey from, you know, when he played. But uh, I have a jersey from the team, like a current jersey. I have um, a scarf, and I have a hat, and I have the pennant. And... Um, you know those things. I, additionally, though, from the team he started, there's a there's a, there's a there's a first division club, which is probably the much arguably the biggest team in Greece called Olympiakos, which is the team that I support in Greece. And so, um, after my grandfather passed, I, I I had the pennant that he had in his office that he's had there for pretty much forever. That's in my my soccer room now that I I keep and I, I'm holding on to it. Um, but I don't have anything specific from the team that was, you know, that was his. Like I don't have a pair of cleats or a jersey, but I, I have things that belong to him. But one of the coolest things I have again is that picture um, that he of him when he played. I was just—it's so cool to me that my grandfather. I have I have this 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 physical item that I can kind of connect to that I can like he played and he was a very strong guy. I mean, he was a very he was a big guy. He was a tall guy. He was a you know strong guy. He had his he had strong legs and. Uh, you hear these stories about he'd tell me stories about playing and you know like he'd go up for a header and he'd you know he'd be up above the ball and he'd knock it in and you know just defending and he was kind of like a like a like a brick wall almost you know like nothing got past him and um it's it i i don't think it's ironic that when i played i was the same kind of position i would play and so i i drew a lot of and a lot of my favorite players uh, that i personally like uh, are also defenders. So I've always had a big connection to defenders in soccer and because they're kind of the ones that do all the dirty work. They, you know, the, the, the forwards will score a goal. The midfielders are the playmakers. The goalkeeper does a spectacular save, but the defender is always the player that gets the least amount of respect. Yeah, But that's a lot of the, the dirty work. You know, they got to make that last-ditch 30-yard run sometimes to make sure the ball – doesn't go in, you know. They they gotta they gotta protect. They gotta they're the last line of defense aside from the keeper. They gotta do. They gotta go up the field for the set piece and come back for the, you know, to defend. And it's just, I've always been drawn to that because they're they're defenders. I think have some of the best personalities in soccer because they're always a little crazy. That's and true. They're always a little crazy because they they just you know they're so passionate, but they're always a little crazy. And it's just it's so fun to watch them sometimes because they're always nine times out of ten you'll find a defender is the captain of the team because they're the ones that are always shouting out, you know, directing orders to the rest of their guys. But um, I digress. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I have a couple connections to my grandfather's uh, through soccer, physical connections. I've, he was, my grandfather always told a lot of amazing stories. So I have so many stories I could go on and on about, but um, he was always really a strong willed person and he was always really passionate about soccer. And up until he passed, he loved watching soccer. So it was something that he passed on and it's just, that's we chat about everything. That's awesome. And I can hear it in your voice and I can tell the love you have for your grandfather. It's, it's very cool to, to hear that. So this actually is a very good segue because this particular episode, Kent knows way more about all the topic areas. I know all pieces here and there, 
but Kent's actually fairly well versed in the soccer or footy aspect of it. So Kent, I, I understand that Mike is a is a huge Team USA soccer fan, and Kent, yes, you're sir. a bigger soccer fan than I'll ever be. So why don't you? Uh, take care of the next set of questions. Sure. So, so we, so yeah, we touched on the fact that you're a huge team USA uh, fan and you follow the team. So, are there any certain players you're PCing? Like, and I'll just put this up here. So that's uh, that's hard to see. That's a blue sapphire uh, cushion. Ooh. Right there. That's nice. Thanks. And then we've got an optic uh, Weston McKinney. That's nice too. And and then he's probably not as good as McKinney, but it's Timothy Way. Yeah, so Timothy Way is a great player too. You want to talk about uh, the the, uh, the the men's national team guys and where yeah. they're playing? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I'm a big, I'm a diehard U.S. fan. I travel all over the world to watch the U.S. play, and I've been all over the country to watch them play with with a group called the American Outlaws, which are the U.S. soccer supporters group. And so, I've 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 been pretty passionate again my whole life. Um, but uh, after kind of the failure to qualify for the World Cup in 2018, mm-hmm. uh, the U.S. men's team really took it apart, and they kind of they kind of reconstructed a little bit and they right. started off from the ground and they kind of took apart the team of a lot of older guys and they brought in a lot of younger guys. They're giving a lot more younger guys, more, 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 more promise. And the cool thing right now too, is that for so long in the U S you had some players going to Europe. You had like Tim Howard at Everton. You had right. Alexi Lalas, you know, playing in Italy. You had a lot of these guys playing around all over the place, but you didn't have like having, it was a big deal to have Clint Dempsey at Fulham and then at Tottenham for a couple of years. But you don't have these players playing at these like massive clubs. And right now you've got, you got Weston McKinney playing at Juventus with Cristiano Ronaldo. Right, you've yeah. got Serginho <laughs> Dest playing with Messi at Barcelona. You've got, you know, Pulisic playing with Chelsea. You've got like, you know, these, these, these guys, you got Giovanni Reina playing at Dortmund. You got these guys that are so good and they're so good. And they're playing at these teams and they're scoring week in and week out. They're on these massive stages and it's, you got, you know, you get Tyler Adams playing in the Bundesliga and you got, you know, uh, Zach Steffen playing for Manchester City. So it's so cool to see these guys at these big name clubs. And it's exciting because that's the collectability is just it's for so long. I would collect American player stuff. And right now it's not just Americans collecting stuff. It's everybody collecting. American yeah, everybody. Stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I'd, I'd be chasing Landon Donovan autographs. I'd be chasing, you know um clint dempsey autographs and tim howard and all that stuff and you know i there was always american soccer collectors but now it's just not americans you know i, I have friends that collect autographs soccer autographs in england and 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 in and, uh in holland and you know they're they're they've caught on to how big the american players are like you know Pulisic wears the number 10 shirt for chelsea which is one of the biggest clubs in the world number 10 in soccer is like the most mm-hmm. prestigious shirt yeah and so he's wearing this shirt that's like reserved for like you know, Hazard before. Now he's wearing that. It, it, it's just, it's really cool to see these guys that are getting the respect they deserve. And um, it's exciting for sure, because it's just the value is going up. You know, you see Pulisic cards, rookie cards from different sets, and they're going for a couple hundred bucks a piece. And, you know, I, I, I'll have to get them signed. So like, you know, I have boxes and boxes and boxes of cards, soccer cards in my, in my, uh, in my soccer uh, collection room. And it's just, it's crazy that this stuff is like, you know, I'd, I'd earmark it, put it aside for, to get autographed one day. And now these cards are, the card market is just blowing up. Yeah, the soccer cards, it's just crazy. There's a, there's even a, I believe, I'm, I kind of follow him. Uh, there's a Giovanni Reina super collector and he's collecting like anything that's Reina. It's like, 
like you know maybe five ten years ago you wouldn't hear about this kind of thing no not at all i mean like i i was i i'm a linda donovan guy through and through he's my favorite my, my favorite player um not a defender but still my favorite player uh mm-hmm. but um I, I collected pretty much every Donovan card I could get my hands on. So I have everything from like his the very first year he was in MLS to all the World Cup cards he had. So there's a card of him upper decked of him golfing for like Parade of the Stars, I think it was. Like I have oh, all yeah. this different stuff, and you know I just I, I enjoyed it because it was it made me happy to hunt, and there's always hunting for something. And so I actually have met Landon a couple times, oh, and I've had the privilege of of uh, of talking to him a number of times. He's a great guy, but um, yeah, it's 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 cool to. To, to, if you have a focus for a player that you really enjoy, it's uh, it's great. These are my soccer jerseys. This is my uh, soccer jersey closet that I have, and just a lot of U.S. shirts. And I try to go back as long as as early as possible to get as many U.S. shirts I can find, and keep on going. And I collect American players shirts, my Yanks abroad collection. So I like to collect different things I can find. Oh, um, all here. That's yeah. So uh, 2016, the Copa America, which is a big prestigious tournament, came to the U.S. for its 100th anniversary. And so I went to pretty much all the games. I went to everything but the first game, and I went to all the games the U.S. played, and they finished third in the tournament, but um, or fourth, I'm sorry. But um, it was a lot of fun. And so I traveled all over the place, got the U.S. team to sign uh, a match ball. And ironically enough, I uh, went to Seattle – for one of the games and I was in the elevator and Jermaine Jones got in the elevator and I was like, <laughs> Oh boy. So I was like, I have to go get a, a match ball right away. So I went to the Nike store, bought a match ball, came back, started graphing all the guys. And I traveled across the country to the different games, bringing the ball with me to get everybody on it. So I got, you know, all the, all the stars of the team to sign it, um, which is pretty fun. I mean, it was, it was, it was cool to get these different uh, players that I, like, that I was traveling to meet the traveling to see, they'll get to meet them and to get them to sign the ball. And um, it's one of my prized possessions of my soccer collecting because it was a tournament that I traveled all over the place for, and the U.S. did pretty well. And I got to get all the players to sign something that means something to me from the tournament. So it, it has a, a place of, of reverence in my collection for sure. Um, Tell us the story about the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh, it, it, it's 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 the match ball for sure. So it's 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 a cool item. Actually, and, tell us uh, about how you can, you know, you weren't when you're traveling with it, you didn't want. Oh to- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> I, I would, I didn't want the autographs to crease on themselves. So I, I, right. I brought an air pump, I brought a carry-on, and I would put it in my carry-on and put it under the seat in front of me, and I would deflate the ball just a little bit so it wouldn't pop. Because there's nothing worse than like having spent all this time and all this energy to travel with it, right? And then to have right. it like bladder collapse. So I deflated a little bit, and then it's inflated again now. So it's, it's. Uh, it was definitely a journey to travel with, and it was something that I'm glad I did for sure. But uh, yeah, it, 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 I think some of the times with collecting, it's more fun for the adventure of it than it actually is for the item. Because this this was something that I'll always look at and smile and say, like, you know, that was such a fun journey. Like I was waiting by the team bus and getting the players to sign it. I wait out after they played, and I'd come, you know, that when they're going out to the bars and the, the club or after the game, and I'd get them the hit it, you know, they'd sign it really quick or, you know, I'd get them and they're going to training or to breakfast. And um, it's just, it's fun. You know, it's, it's a cool piece in my collection, makes me smile. And it's, it's, it's worth a lot to me. You know, it's something we always smile. This is actually, so um, a friend of mine actually took this picture and it's one of my favorite pictures of autographing because it's, uh, it's me getting Michael Bradley to sign a jersey that I have of his. And um, 
And Michael Bradley was the captain of the team for a while. He's actually a player that I've I've followed for a long time. Um, so I will say he's also Toronto FC's captain. He so is. Yeah, he is. TFC. He's a great player. You know, Michael Bradley is somebody I've always kind of admired and looked up to as a soccer player because um, he's 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 pretty. He's a very defensive-minded player, which I admire. Um, and so I collect jerseys and cleats. So these are cleats that uh, I have Michael Bradley's game-worn cleats. I have Clint Dempsey's signed cleats, Tim Howard's game-worn wow. cleats. That's right. Really cool. And Landon Donovan's cleat there. Uh, this is another thing I have a lot. So this is my uh, one of my Landon Donovan signed jerseys. He signed it really huge, and it's just I can't wait to get it framed because I love this jersey. It makes me smile to see it because he's my favorite player, and he signed it perfectly. And this is um, – this is the same. It's not the game worn shirt, but it's the same jersey he was he wore when he scored that goal against Algeria in 2010. Mm-hmm. That was like my favorite moment to this to this day. That goal, the celebration of that goal, is still my desktop wallpaper on my computer, and it's my text message alert tone. So anytime I get a text, oh, really? I hear, yeah. So you know, 11 years later, and I'm still like obsessed with that moment. It, it, it brings me a lot of joy. What I find hilarious is in North America, we'll call this a jersey. But overseas, it's a kit. It's a kit, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's funny because I actually was uh, my cousins would be like, uh, "You mean what do you? What's a jersey?" I'm like, what's a, it's a jersey. It's a what you, the thing you put on when you play. And he's like, "You mean the kit?" I'm like, "Kit." <laughs> it's the why they have tools in it. Like, what is this? It's you um, know, it's, it's for, uh, people like myself that are they're jersey guys. They're called kit nerds. So it's kind of funny that like there's like these guys that are obsessed with jerseys, right? And. Uh, it's it's kind of cool that there's the, you know these these crazed uh, soccer jersey collectors, but 100 percent like if you go looking for a jersey in the UK, they're gonna look at you like you're a little crazy. Exactly. <laughs> you're like, you mean New Jersey? I'm like, no, no, I'm looking. At it. okay. <laughs> um, sorry, I just wanted to show people really quickly just some of your your soccer photos. I know Kent has a few more questions, and just before yeah. we go there, I want to say hello to our good friend Jeremy from Sports Cards hello, Live. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Jeremy was one of the reasons we, we started this show, so I'm glad that Jeremy's come by to check us out. Um, so why don't you get into your, your fandom? You have kind of a fandom for USA Soccer, Kent, and I know definitely Mike does. So, yeah, again, you're you're the resident expert, so I'll let you go nerd out on sure. this. So we touched upon MLS, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to show that. So... Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So what do you think of, of MLS players now heading overseas to play in, in the bigger leagues? I think it's pretty great. I mean, it's 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 pretty awesome to see these guys that are, you know, MLS has always been something that I've always been really fond of and have a really special place in my heart for because I grew up watching MLS as, you know, a, a four and five and six-year-old kid, and I've always kind of stuck with it. But it's great to see these young American players, you know, doing the dirty work and playing here, you know, and they're, they're, they, they train and they kind of come up in the system. And then they get their chance to shine overseas. And, you know, we've had, like, you know, Aronson. We've had uh, well, Mark yes. McKenzie. Well, and, that was Brendan Aronson for those that don't know. Yeah. So, like, Brendan Aronson, uh, Weston McKenney, a lot of these guys that are doing doing it the right way. They you know they play in MLS for a number of years. They kind of build, uh, build that rapport. And they go overseas. And they're doing their thing. And then, you know, and then they, they go to a club and they, they play well and they continue doing well and they go to another club. And, you know – the most competitive leagues in the world are definitely in Europe. I think, you know, England, Germany, Italy, uh, Spain are those are the best leagues in, in France, too. Like, I think the best leagues in all of soccer. And so to have these guys playing week in, week out against the top players in the world is amazing for them. 
And so when you have guys playing in Germany, you have guys playing in Austria, then going to Germany, you have guys playing all over the place. It's only going to make the program better. And so if you don't test yourself, you're never going to, you're never going to know what you can do. So seeing these guys play in MLS and then go overseas, it's amazing. I mean, they, they're continually proving themselves, even like guys like, uh, you know, Weston McKenney who played for the, he played for the uh, FC Dallas system. And then he went to right, Schalke. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And it's like, you know, he played for Schalke. Now he plays for Juventus. And there's these stats that come out that when Juventus plays McKenney, they play better than they play without him. So it's like, you know, Here's this guy who's playing in the midfield and doing the doing the right doing things the right way, you know, and he is kind of revered and looked up to by the the Juve fans. So it's it's cool to see again American players get love from non-American fans. Yeah, and, which uh, strange nowadays, right? Like this is it is. <laughs> you know, a, a friend of mine who played uh, Jay Demerit, uh, he played in England and he played in the World Cup for the U.S. And um, I worked in a movie he did called Rise and Shine: The Jay Demerit Story about his real life journey from. Um, starting up in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and playing soccer in high school, and then going to the Premier League. So this right. really crazy journey from playing in like pub league teams in England to going to the Premier League slowly but surely. But uh, it was cool that the fans at Watford would chant "JJ from the USA." They'd hang these American flags in England, and they were for one guy. They sold flags in the team store for one guy on their team. It's like it's just it's amazing to see there's this passion for American players that usually are kind of looked down upon by a lot of, you know, the Euro snobs, as I like to call them. And there's these, you know, you know, Sasha Kleshen played for Anderlecht and they would hang American flags at the games. There'd be fans that would, you know, they weren't Americans, but they would love him and how he played for the club. And so they'd show him love because he showed the team love. And it was just mm. kind of cool that this would happen. You know, it's, it's, it's really impressive to me to see, to see that American players are doing well. And as they continue to grow, I mean, you know, Tim Weah played for PSG and now he's at Lille and he's all over, you know, these guys that play well and they're proving themselves and it only boosts the program in the U.S. system more. So it yeah. gives more guys the chance to play that aren't there yet, in my opinion. For sure. So um, speaking of the uh, the national team, I'm just going to talk about the women's national team. Yeah. So now their soccer cards are being highly collectible. Uh, like Wambach and uh, Alex Morgan, Tobin Heath, uh, Megan Raponi, just to name a few. So, for example, you can see that. That's an Alex Morgan PSA 10. That's nice. Um, this recently ended at around 700 US. So, what do you think of the collectability of women's soccer cards now? I actually have that card signed. I actually sent to Alex through the mail. Oh, she signed awesome. it a number of years ago. It was pretty cool. I don't think it's a 10, though, because it, it went across the country and back to, to, to get back to me. But I'm sure it's pretty, it, it's, it's in good condition. But I mean, the the U.S. women's soccer team is an amazing. They've they've done a great job, and they've proven themselves to be the best in the world. I mean, they're the best program out there, um, and they've done it repeatedly. I mean, they've they've removed players uh, like Hope Solo, and they've replaced her, and then they right. continually do so well. It's just, I mean, it, it's a testament to how good that team is, and how strong those women are. Um, but I think it's. The collectability is amazing. I mean, you know, there's uh, I have a, I have a number of items in my collection of the U.S. Women's National Team. Like I, I actually have some of the. Um, I'll see if I can pull some up here a second. Sure. I have yeah. some of the. Uh, I have some of the uh, Sports Illustrated issues that are signed oh, in my collection. Yeah, so I've gotten a number of them signed. I'll pull some up really quick. Um, but like I have uh, Hope Solo's SI signed. Oh, that's sweet. I have an Alex Morgan one. I have some, I have some different stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of they're kind of cool. But um, the women's team is great. And it's great to see again. As a U.S. fan, I'll support all the U.S. teams. So the women's team is fantastic, and they've 
their collectability is off the charts. Uh, a lot of the players are always really they're they're always really willing to sign too in person, which is great. I, I don't know about now because they haven't been out in the last year, obviously, because yeah. <laughs> everything's crazy. But I mean, I would get uh, a lot of different players to sign. Hope Solo would sign. Alex Morgan would sign. Rapino would sign. Um, yeah, because so Alex right now is playing over in Tottenham for Tottenham. I think so. Yeah, it's, yeah. she's playing for Tottenham, which is pretty yeah. crazy. But. Um, yeah, it's 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 really it's they're really nice people. I've met Alex a number of times. My photo with Alex is my my uh, my phone wallpaper <laughs> for a while. <laughs> it was really she called me sweetie in high school, in college, and I was like over the moon. I was like, oh my god, Alex Morgan called me sweetie. What else can I ask for? Yeah, for um, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the women's players they're um, they're 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 great athletes. Um, and it's it's always fun, to, you know. Again, to collect and to see them. I mean, like, how often are you going to see a U.S. player on the cover of Sports right. Illustrated? You know, exactly. it's, I mean, it's happened a couple times with Landon, and um, uh, but like, it's not very often to have a whole series of SI issues with with the U.S. players on the cover. So I collect all those and get them signed as I can, and uh, it's it's definitely fun to do. Now, when it comes to collecting soccer, what are your thoughts on like investing and flipping and the aspect of the card market? These, for example, I'm going to show you something here. So Ooh. that is a, a Holland Gold Refractor Mint Nine on Golden Auctions last week. A Holland similar one fifth out of fifty, like the one I have, was Gem Mint Ten, went for twenty seven thousand. Oh my god! So, what do you think about the collectability of soccer cards today? I mean, it's the thing that's amazing too is I think that there's sports cards. I think the NBA, MLB, NHL is pretty much an American thing, a North American thing. Because I mean, a lot of there's not a lot of fans I don't think that are super that are super into it overseas. I mean, there's a handful, but I think soccer cards is such a big thing internationally. Mm -hmm. And so you have not only the American market, North American market going after these cards, but you have the whole world. So you have people, you have you know investors, you have collectors everywhere and i mean holland is one of the best players i think in the world right now and probably for the next number of years so i mean to have this guy as a rookie his you know his rookie refractor his rookie um uh you know whatever you want to call it because they always designate a card as a rookie card right so i mean a lot of these cards have you know appreciated with value tremendously and it's just it's wild to me that there's that $27,000 for a soccer card, whoever would have thought that would have ever happened. You know, I've been doing, I've been collecting cards my whole life and it's like, I don't think I've ever would have imagined a $27,000. Yeah, I'll be happy. If this goes for like half that. Hey, I wouldn't blame you. That's a nine. That's amazing. That's absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's wild to me that, you know, I mean, Messi and Ronaldo will always command a premium, I think, but I mean, to see, you know, Mbappe and, and, and Holland and, and uh, Mueller and all these guys that are commanding a premium too. It's it's what more can you ask for? Speaking of Mbappe, did you see today they lost. They lost to Man City. They're out. They did. It's crazy. Neymar and Mbappe weren't enough to beat Man City. I'm, I'm hoping Chelsea pulls it off because even though I'm a Man United fan, I want to see my Americans do well. So I'm yeah, always yeah. supporting Chelsea to see Pulisic uh, hopefully pull through. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I think they can do it. I think so too. Real Madrid looks tired to me. I don't know about you. They do. They do. I mean, you know, I watched. I watched a little bit of that last game. They did not right. look. They don't look the Real Madrid of old anymore. I mean, I, you know, well, I think that's the same thing with Barcelona too. A little bit is that they're still yeah. good teams, but they don't have yeah. that same it factor. Exactly. So, uh, continuing on, one more question about soccer. Yeah. Uh, um, soccer is going to be center stage for a little while, with as you as you know, with Euros coming up this summer. Then we got the Olympics later on in the year. 
then we got World Cup 2022, and then 2026. It's in North America. Yes. So, so are there any particular players you're eyeing right now, like just collecting wise? So selfishly, I'm obviously eyeing the American players. Yeah, I course. mean, you know, of course, you know, Pulisic and McKenney and Tyler yeah. Adams and Way and all them. I think that they're. It's always what I'm going to still focus on. But I think that you know, looking. Looking for the next big thing is always the way that I think is that if you're looking for real investment values, so try to find out who is at a at, at a smaller level team. At, you know, a team's going to go out and splash, you know, sixty million on or whatever, and, and buy a player. Um, so there's always, I mean, right now it's kind of hard to say, mm-hmm. but there's a lot. If you're looking for value, I'd recommend watching the Bundesliga, or uh, I think the Bundesliga for sure is where a lot of the the mid to lower level teams. Are kind of playing, and they have a lot of good players that they, you know, they'll buy and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll develop, and then they'll kind of sell them to, you know, PSG right. and. Like, do you find that Bundesliga is like kind of like a feeder farm almost? I mean, it is. It's kind of funny because it's like yeah. you know the Bundesliga is this this amazing league, right? But you also at the same time have like you know Bayern Munich, yes, uh, Dortmund at the top, always duking it out. You know, a little bit you have you know like Leipzig at the top two fighting right now, and. um but then you have a lot of these teams that like Dortmund either buys them or they go to they go to England, they go to France, they go to Italy, and it's like it's just the Bundesliga is a great league for development. It's a very technical league, and so a lot of players really thrive there. Um, but I definitely think if you're looking for investment right now, Holland would be a big player to look into. Mbappe, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure the value is not going to be really uh, value consciousness right now. Like you're not going to find anything super cheap for those guys. But I mean, that's for sure where the money is at. Um, Anybody, anybody you see thriving, I'm sure their value is going to be through the roof. But um, American players, I would definitely recommend looking to see what's going on oh, because yeah. a lot of guys come from MLS and they go international and that just explodes, you know? I would definitely say that the, the American stars that are over in Europe right now are a little bit underpriced in my opinion. I would agree. I mean, even North American, Alfonso Davies right now is, is – Yeah, for Canada, yeah. One of the best defenders in the world, in my opinion. You know, he's a Canadian, and he's he's someone that I really, I, I you know, when I see him play, I smile because that's a guy that developed in MLS. Yes, that's now right. He's one. He played for the the Whitecaps. You know, now he's yeah. one of the best defenders on the planet. And here's this guy that played in Vancouver for a couple seasons that was developed there. Now he is like the whole world watches him, and they're in awe. It's just it's amazing to me. No, Mike, I appreciate your soccer knowledge. Thanks for sharing your soccer history. Uh, absolutely. We appreciate that. So um, are you still good? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're getting to almost an hour and a half, and I'm going to let Amit ask this last question. We usually have we wrap up the show, unless there's other questions you want to ask Amit before you ask the last question. No, no, no. I, I, we've already kept uh, Michael long enough, and uh, we've nerded out pretty hardcore for almost <laughs> an hour and a half. So – uh, I want to just kind of bring it full circle. So we we brought Mike on Michael on to talk about you now Star Wars. We got into Funko Pops, action figures. Just now, you brought out signed Star uh, uh, Sports Illustrated magazine. So I'm sure there's things you collect that you haven't told us yet. But uh, we we'll save that for another show. Um, <laughs> want to thank everyone for tuning in to watch, and for those of you that support us and watching the shows after the fact and podcast, appreciate it very much. I uh, want to thank Michael again for, for attending and, and sharing his knowledge. We'll definitely have you back again. So as Kent alluded to, and actually there's one more thing I want to point out, which is it was a nice tie-in, Kent, with your Lego. We actually have a, a Lego guest, uh, my name is Joshua Hanlon, showing up uh, next week, who's a host of Beyond the Brick, a fairly uh, influential Lego collector on YouTube. So we're looking forward to that. 
uh, please tune in for that. So here's my favorite question, or our favorite question we'd love to ask all guests. So we, we kind of gave you a hint on what the question would be on Sunday, and now I hope you've had some time to think about it. So our show is all about diversity, inclusivity, but mostly it's about inspiration. So I hope that some people have listened to the show and got inspired by your story and your rich collecting history. What inspires you? So I'll give you, I'll give you, I thought about this a little bit. I'll give you an answer. So a couple of things inspire me. Number one, I would say is my grandparents. My, my grandfather and my grandmother um, have faced a lot of adversity in their lives. And they always did it with a smile on their face and they fought through all of it. And they, my grandfather came to this country with nothing and he really achieved the American dream of building a restaurant, a business and, and thriving and, 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 you know, raising, raising children and, and doing it the right way. And, 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 you know, following the American dream. And he was always really proud of being an American. My grandmother as well is one of the strongest built people I know. My parents inspire me. My dad, same thing, came to this country three years old and, you know, he's a successful business person and built a business and, you know, my mom inspired me. She raised me. Um, they're all, you know, they're all a big part of who I am today. So they inspire me every day. And I'll give you a little bit of a fun answer too. Sure. Um, a big thing that inspires me was uh, again, I kind of mentioned it earlier, was Landon Donovan's goal against Algeria. So that was something that I remember watching with my mom in 2010. And it was watching the US be on the verge of being eliminated from the World Cup. And I watched as as this guy put the team on his back and carry the team to victory to win their group, right? So he beat England, they beat everybody out in their group and they won their group. And this was a moment that really made me inspired because it was sometimes when things get tough, you got to put the world on your shoulders and just do it yourself. You know, you can't rely on anybody else sometimes. So it inspires me to, you know, fight through and to keep things going and just always do your best. And it was, just, it was a moment that I'll never forget the jubilation I felt in that moment of just pure joy of celebrating when uh, my favorite player scored arguably the best goal in American soccer history. So, yeah, I mean, in, in, inspiration, you find it every place you look. For sure, for sure. Uh, um, you've been very inspirational in this conversation. Um, I like all the topics we covered. It's very rare that we can cover so many genres of collectability in one guest. So you've you've done a fairly good job of going across all the different spheres. Like I said, we probably haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg of what you. Yeah, I'm sure there's more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I will admit, for the next May the Fourth uh, show, I should probably buy a T-shirt. <laughs> play the role, play the part, and you know, be a Star Wars fan. I am a Star Wars fan. I just don't own anything. It's terrible. Um, I, I do have a Carrie Fisher autograph. I'll, I'll just say that. Hey, you um, can't beat that then. It's exactly. true, true, and she was awesome. So, Michael, I want you to hang out for a bit, and first we're going to sign off to, and go off uh, air. But if you can hang out to the show to the end, and then uh, we'll uh, say goodbye to everyone right now. Absolutely. So, cheers, everyone. Good night, everyone. Thanks for watching. Bye, everybody.